That's where our text is 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, as we continue now in this series here on these four, four signs. I call them four signs or four evidences, if you want to say it like that, of a soon rapture. And so we've been looking at that, but I, I want to go in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll probably go to 2 Timothy excuse me, Second Peter chapter 2 a little bit later, but right now <clears throat> we're in Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. And here we see, as a matter of fact, let me just start back. I'm, I'm going to go out of, this is where I usually get in trouble, but I'm going to do it anyhow. But the previous chapter, verse 15, and that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> That's why you have Sunday school. That's why you have an OCA. That's why you have a bus ministry. But especially, you're saved and you have children. That is of utmost importance. Old Timothy, through his grandmother and mother, learned scriptures. And it was effective throughout his life. So grandmothers, you may not be the mother of that child anymore. You're the, now you've got a child with their own children, and now you've got grandchildren. Try to be effective. Try to be a help to them. And he goes on to say <clears throat> in uh, the next verse, 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay, all scripture is given by inspiration. That is, it's God breathed. God breathed every word of it out to each one who wrote. And he tells what it's for there. And he says that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so when you read those verses right there, it just leads right into this chapter because you see the importance of the Word of God from a small child on. But then he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge thee. Therefore, now understand, he's talking to a pastor, Timothy, a preacher of the word. He's talking to this man. He says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but, there comes that but in there, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And you see, their own lust, 
That is their own desires, whether it's for entertainment, whether it's to satisfy their intellectual needs or what have you, or to make them feel good about themselves intellectually or any other way. Those feelings, having itching ears for those who can satisfy that in them, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's why a lot of times you go to these churches today, they're motivation sermons, not Bible sermons. They're psychology sermons, not Bible sermons. The Bible has all the answer. Okay. And so he says, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. No matter what's going on in you right now, you just stick with it. You keep on keeping on. Do the work of an evangelist. What is that work? Bringing souls to the Savior. Make full proof of thy ministry. Why? Because verse 1 that we just read above in chapter 4. It's going to be judged. Part of his Judgment at the judgment seat of Christ for that pastor. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started into the message for tonight. Father, I pray as we delve into your word again tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move powerfully. Lord, direct my attention, all of our attention, to your word, to your will, to your way into what you want us to receive from this word tonight. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so far now in this series, we looked at two signs. We looked first at the rapture, just to kind of get an idea of what that is, when it is, and so forth, as far as it is before the tribulation, but it's not, no specific date is there. However, to the signs that we've covered so far. First of all, Israel back in the land. That's not the regathering that Jesus does at the end of the tribulation, but rather uh, if the world leader is going to make a covenant with Israel, they already have to have a government in the land. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but there's always been uh, Jews or Israelites in that land, even though many went to captivity and then after that other governments took over and things and they didn't kill all the Jews. They made servants out of many of them. Some of them had lands. They still tilled the land, even through all that, although they're under a different government. So there's always been a small, small remnant of Jews in the land. But it wasn't until 1948 that they had land that was provided there, but it wasn't until 1967 until they were back in the land with Jerusalem. A government established an army, and there has to be that for the Antichrist to come and set up a covenant with them that he'll break in the middle of that seven years. And then we looked at the idea of the pandemics. Now, we've had pandemics as well throughout uh, years and years and years of the church age. There's been pandemics. But we also pointed out that what's different about this 
are things that uh, make you wonder, how can they make everybody get a, a mark in the, that day? Can't buy or sell without it. How can they do that worldwide? How can they uh, really just put people to death because they won't bow down and worship this God worldwide? Just, just how is that going to happen? And we use what's going on in America today just to show that perhaps it's not the pandemic that's the sign, but the result that is the sign where government now is saying, well, you can't work if you don't have the vaccine. You can't do this if you don't have the vaccine or do that. And so government begins to come in as a, either a fascist or Marxist type of a movement where all of that is moved out and you have that power under one leader, which will be the world leader, the Antichrist. Now, he'll have opposition, don't, don't get me wrong, and they will be put down. Uh, one of the oppositions that will uh, not be completely put down are the kings of the east when they start marching there to end the tribulation towards Israel. But I just want you to know that those things are going on. And they serve as signs to say, well, look, we see what can happen. We know that it's possible. How soon will it be? So, going back to our text, let's start right up there again at verse 1 of chapter 4. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Now this is talking about the judgment seat of Christ for believers. But later, His kingdom on earth, after the, He comes back and touches the earth at the end of the tribulation, there's going to be a judgment at the white throne judgment. I mean, there'll be a judgment of nations here, but there'll be a white throne judgment at the end of that millennium. So just don't think the judgment seat of Christ is, okay, that's it, that's all we're concerned about. Let's be concerned about more, about souls that'll be at that white throne. But nonetheless, I think as I read this first verse, I charge thee, he's talking to a pastor, he's talking to preachers, the Lord Jesus, who's going to judge the quick and the dead. Every pastor, every preacher should read that with fear and trembling, especially pastors. Because this is before God and the Lord Jesus Christ at His appearing. God the Father. He has turned all judgment over to the Son, but again, the Father and the Son on this thing. We are accepted in the beloved wrecks, accepted in Jesus. We understand that as well. So he says, therefore, judgment, judgment, the judgment for us, for you, not the same as the preacher. The preacher, every preacher reading this first part of verse 1 should go back and read Hebrews chapter 13 
verse 17. As a matter of fact, verse, seven, verse 17, it talks about, Obey them that have the rule over you that have spoken to you the word of God. So within the local church, there are those that have the authority. Now look, the local church belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm put in a position that God would have me to there to be there. But understand, the Lord is the authority. His book is the authority for Central Baptist Church. We have a good constitution. We have a good Bible-based constitution here at this church. But I want you to know the main constitution, the constitution that we have is the Word of God. Amen. Okay? Now, but he goes on to say in verse 17 about judging. He says, obeying them. Because that pastor is going to give an account. And hopefully he can do it with joy or grief. And this is where I say the Holy Spirit is also involved. Not just for God, speaking of the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit. You say, well, why is that? Because the Holy Spirit, any pastor, should be depending upon, not just good books, the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to lead him in his preaching. That's got to be the way it is. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on. The pastor can see what's going on. Now look, Peter preached the first time, 3,000 saved, and later we see 5,000 being added to the church. You think the Peter, you think that the 12 together knew those 8,000 people and the multitude that was after everyone by name? By personality, there is no way they did. God knew every one of them, name everything else about them. So, how can they give an account? Because of things like the things that go on in this world today, that preacher will receive kickback. It'll be hard. One of the things I enjoyed in Brother Joe, I hope he doesn't mind me telling me, he says, you know, when I first come, I wonder why there was, it seemed like a hate club almost for the pastor. I don't know if there is one like that, but uh, I expect it. But then later he says, now I know what it is to have a hate club. Okay, you got into a position, and uh, you're always going to have people gripe or complain about that, talk about, ah, he shouldn't be there, that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you got that. I get that. You know, I'm not a pastor because nobody will ever be opposed or never say anything negative. Uh, look, I don't know if anybody can say anything as negative about me as I've said. Okay, so I know that that's, how, that's where the devil works. And he tries to do it through God's people even. You know, he, he really does. But ours is not to quit. But then at this judgment that the Lord is talking about there in Hebrews 13, 17, did you preach against this? This was in this man's life. Did you preach against it? Yes, Lord, I did. Did you preach not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together and he's unfaithful? Yes, I did. I'll have to do it with grief because that person wasn't faithful. Or joy. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. We could, we could depend on that guy to be faithful. Okay. Either with joy or grief. That's the Word of God. Okay, that's the Word of God. But that's for that pastor. Preach the Word, he says in verse 2. 
Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You see how the preacher is supposed to preach? He's not only told to preach the word in verse 1 because he's going to be called into an account. That would also tell us that how he preaches it is called into an account in verse 2. And how's he to preach it? Well, he's to preach it in season, out of season. Hey, when everybody thinks that's great and when everybody's against it. In season, out of season. Sometimes people like to name it in sin, but there's other times they don't want it named because their kids are involved or something else or a friend. Oh, don't go there. But he is to preach it. In season, out of season, and how? He is to reprove, rebuke, and exhort, strongly urge in the way of righteousness and truth, long-suffering, with long, all long-suffering and doctrine. In other words, with all the things that will result from preaching that way, you don't quit. You stay by the stuff. You preach God's way. You preach God's word the way that he has told the preacher, the pastor to preach it. And notice, again, it is, says doctrine. Doctrine is anything the word of God teaches. Look, I get, I get emails. I've got mail and everything else. To the day that we live in, you cannot preach like the old preachers. It's a new day. You've got to preach with love and kindness. Those things don't work anymore. And you see, the culture, the religious culture is trying to take over the Word of God and amend the Word of God to tell preachers how to preach. But that's not the way God said to do it. You've got to do God's will, God's way, in God's timing. And it's always in God's timing. And it's always doctrine. It's always the Word of God. The sermon should be based on the Word of God. Now, I want you to see these passages that uh, uh, many people talk about here in just a moment. But uh, you'll find out in... 2 Peter chapter 3, as a matter of fact, uh, no, 2 Peter chapter 2, should I say, verses 1 through 3. As a matter of fact, we're not even going to go to Matthew, the Matthew 24, verse 11 through 14, where Jesus is talking. But back there in Timothy, that I was just reading, he says about this preaching of the Word. Now, I'm just in verse 2 on 2 Timothy. But I want to say one other thing about the preacher. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. You know, that kind of shakes me up. As a pastor, that white, not the white throne, the judgment seat of Christ, if I'm not faithful, the shame is going to be greater on me than on a backslid Christian. 
It's either going to be ashamed or confidence, as 1 John 2, 28 tells us. But that one, he says there, my brethren, be not many masters, that is teachers and preachers. The preacher is that he's supposed to be apt to teach. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now, preachers warn. But we go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, because Jesus mentioned some of the same things that there in Matthew, as I said earlier. But in chapter 2 of 2 Peter, verses 1 through 3, but there were false prophets also among the people. Even, now get this next part, as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. Think about that. He bought them with that precious shed blood. And then we deny what he's done, denying him, and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Now, understanding, understand, denying is not, uh, he, he has denied God, but rather he's not preaching God's word. Denying. And so when you're not preaching God's word, you're preaching another Jesus, not the holy Jesus of the Bible, as, as Corinthians tells us. And so, again, God's word must be preached God's way and in God's timing. And he goes on in verse 2 of that passage, And many shall uh, follow their pernicious ways by reason, okay, by reason. In other words, many that follow that preacher is following by reason of whom the way of truth is evil spoken of. They speak evil. Look, they introduce things that are not right. This is the contemporary movement. This is the Calvinistic movement. You know Calvinism, let me just give you a quick brief thing on Calvinism. You know where Calvinism started? It started in Israel. You say, how's that? They thought they were the only ones who like to go to heaven, even though in Exodus he told them that you'd be a nation of priests unto all people. He tells us in 2 Peter, in 1 Peter, excuse me, but what are we as saved people? A nation of priests. We're priests of God. A priest speaks to people for God and speaks to God for people. The Jews thought they were the only ones. Later, when the Catholic Church came into being, a man by the name of Augustine, who wrote many of those things, had been a heathen in Greece that one of their religions taught they were the only ones going to heaven. And he brought much of that, tried to use some scriptures and kind of twist them around a little bit to fit in there, 
And he taught that you had to be a member of the local church, of the, excuse me, of the Catholic church, be baptized in the Catholic church in order to go to heaven. Kind of like Church of Christ saying you've got to be baptized here if you're going to go, be saved. And the baptism says, no, it doesn't. Well, that started not with Church of Christ, it started back with the Catholic church. It went on from there. Pastor, you shouldn't name them. Okay, then kick out Mark chapter 16 that says, name them, which caused divisions according to the doctrine. You're, you're, you're to mark them, name them is what that means. Okay, so we've had that. And then later, a man by the name of John Calvin, who was a Catholic, saw the evidences of the evil of Catholicism and turned to Christianity but he still liked some of those things, and he transformed those things into Calvinism. Okay, I've discovered this, we're the elect. Only those that are elect are going to go to heaven. Election took place from the foundation of the world. Yes, it did. Guess what? The blood of Jesus Christ was shed 2,000 years ago. So it can't account to me because I wasn't alive 2,000 years ago. I hadn't sinned. Or it was shed for all sin for all time. As it says in 1 John 2, verse 2, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So the blood was shed. But it wasn't applied to me till the day I received Christ. And election was not applied to me until the day I received Christ. One is 2,000 years before. The other one is before the foundation of the world. But either way, it's applied to me when I receive Christ and not until then. It was meant for all men. The blood was meant for the whole world. But they had to receive it. You see. And so, we see this thing, men shall... Follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the truth shall be evil spoken of. The truth of whosoever will is evil spoken of. Whoso, the truth of be ye holy, for I the Lord your am holy, is evil spoken of. We have liberty, we have grace to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness? Oh, no. And so, he says in verse 3, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words. Sound good. Boy, those words are deceiving, but they're not true. Make merchandise of you, whose judgment nail of a long time lingereth, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, we go back there because we did verse 2, but now I want to take up with verse 3. And he says, that ties right in here, keeping that 2 Peter passage in, in mind. That's why I went to there. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, again, 
A lust to feel superior, lust to feel intellectually superior, lust to fulfill those flesh. Man, that makes me feel good. I like that music. That's the kind of music we need to have in church. Hey, I like dressing that way because that makes me cool. Hey, hey, more people come if we'll dress that way, if we'll have that kind of music, if we'll do this, do that. You know what our goal is? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, as ambassadors for Christ in that same passage. Okay, as ambassadors for Christ, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We're leading people to a salvation that changes their life. Not a salvation that says, okay, it's all right to get down in church and to dance around and to uh, dress uh, provocatively and, and have that kind of music that appeals to the very base parts of your inner sinful nature. Some people, because they've got relatives or friends that are in that, get upset when I say that, but it is sin to have contemporary music in a local church. If you want an apology, talk to the devil. Okay. They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they hit to themselves teachers having itching ears. Got to make the people feel good. See, that's where all that's born, making the people feel good. They're not giving them what they need. They're not giving them the Word of God as we were told to do here in 2 Timothy here. They're not given reproof. They're not given correction. But rather, they've fallen to that idea of the world. You know, one of Satan's and, and one thing you got to say about Satan, his strategies are dynamic. If you don't walk with the Lord, he'll beat you every time. He will beat you every time. But one of his most effective strategies against individual Christians and the local church is to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. With terms such as, well, we have grace in this day. We have liberty and it's applied to those things which satisfy the flesh. That's what it's about. And folks, to be quite honest with you, I'm going to say this without apology again. Homosexuality is still sin. Adultery is still sin. Drinking alcohol is still sin. Gambling, it is still sin. Abortion, murdering human babies is still sin. And on down the line, when a couple moves in and lives together without marriage, that is still sin. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, by God's grace and strength and help, I'm not going to do as some fundamentalist I know. An apology to her for being a fundamentalist, stay, staying true to the word. And all of a sudden justifying the acts of the flesh. Because it's not about me, it's about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his word. And so we're not going to go there. We're just not going to do it. By God's grace, 
We won't, but we will need his strength. We will need his help. So we continue there. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want to make you feel good. They really, what I find out with a lot of this, a lot of preachers wanting to be emperors to build their ego and their own little empire. This is not Andy Bloom's church. It never has been. It's God's church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's church. And let's pray that that'll never be lost. Verse 4 says, And they shall turn away their, uh, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Other words, not true Bible doctrine. That's where your uh, motivational sermons come in, your psychology sermons come in, because it is not true Bible doctrine. They're fables. And so, I just mentioned some things, and let me say this, this sins, and I, I didn't name the whole list, but I just named some. I think it's un. I think it's terrible that you have married homosexuals in some Baptist churches now in this land holding places and positions in churches. Now, look, if a married couple walks in this church, two men to a man or two women to a woman, I'm glad because I want them to hear the gospel and know that they can be saved from that filth. Anybody that's caught in any of these things, they can be saved from that filth. They really can. It's not unloving to name sin, but it is unloving, it's totally unloving not to name sin. It's totally unloving not to warn the loss of the wages of sin. It's totally unloving to not warn Christians of the total shame before all of heaven of the loss of reward, especially when you see the reward that was set aside for you. So this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, shows you the sign of the sin of the last days among Christians that seem to be so evident. And we're talking about the last days before the rapture. Not the last days, but the last days before the rapture. The sign of a soon rapture, I believe, is quite evident. As a matter of fact, this series started with Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. Talking about the tribulation, you know, about the things it's going to save us from, the, that, that wrath that's to come and so forth. Talking about those things in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. But you know, chapters 1 through 3 of Revelation, you know what they're dealing with? It's the local church. They're dealing with the local church. That's all that's dealing with is the local church. And sins in the local church throughout this church era until Christ comes back. Until Christ raptures. So those are things that people say, well, you know, Philadelphia was this time of period, and then Laodicea is this period. No, 
Those sins of all those churches have been true in every era. Okay, they've been true in every era. People like to give dates to them, but I'll tell you what, the dates they use, uh, does that mean that those sins completely stop now and there's no more of that sin in the local church? Ephesians, you know, it's the first church mentioned. They left their first love. You know what, they're still doing that today. There are people that used to, I remember when buses, when we started buses here, when we started buses down in Community Baptist, down in Bradenton with my dad, more everybody was getting involved. They couldn't ride on a bus, or they couldn't drive a bus, at least they'd go out there and knock on doors and try to get boys and girls. Nursery, you had them ready to work in the nursery. Ushers, ushers, you guys would have had uh, people wanting to be in, we'd had different ushers for different services. I mean, that's the way it was. Well, I don't have time for that. I might lose my seat. <laughs> Look, and some won't do ministries because they know, well, I'm going to take off on Sundays. I'm going to take off during football season. I'm going to take off during hunting season. I'm going to take off during fishing season. I'm going to take off here, there. Look, just tell God that, yeah, you love them, but I love these things much more than I love you. You say, oh, I wouldn't say that to God. Well, your actions are saying it. Why have we left that first love? Okay, and that's talking about the first church of Ephesus there in Revelations 1 through 3. The first one mentioned. But what I'm saying is this. Those churches had problems. They had problems. And the Lord let us know throughout the church age that would be evident. But guess what? In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, the voice cries out, Come up hither! What happens after that is happening in the tribulation that no longer pertains to the local church. Okay? What the Lord would have you and I focusing on right now is those things in those uh, seven churches are not going on in our own personal lives as well as our local church. Stand, standing, and continuing to stand. And the churches can bring God's judgment upon the church. Why? Because judgment begins at the house of God. And they go that way, judgment begins at the house of God. That's why we've got to remain true. But because we see so many churches going from that, the local churches, I think we're seeing a sign of the rapture because the Lord comes and He raptures them out. The shame, the greater shame will be is that if the Lord came in as far as America is concerned on a Sunday and there are people in the local church and He raptures but many of them are left behind because they've been taught a repentless salvation. They've been taught, do the best you can. They've been taught all these other things, but they haven't been taught the way of salvation. And they're left behind. It's too late. And so, as we see these last days, we see a third sign here then is the last days of what it's like. 
He says, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous is defined as dangerous, hazardous. In the Greek, this implies a definite and specific time. In regard to the local church, which it is addressed to, we are looking at the last days of the church because it's going to be rapture. And because of that, there are hazardous times, dangerous. The last days, again, those specific times that are there before the tribulation. And these last days deal with a specific time then. The church has a call especially in these last days, to stand if no one else does. Evidently, Laodicea, we're increased with goods and have need of nothing. Look, the goods is not the proof of your increase. It's still fulfilling the Great Commission. It's still separated from this world and separated unto God. That's the proof. And he goes on to say in verse 2, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Wait a minute. Lovers of them, their own selves? Now that's what he said there in verse 2 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Don't have that today, do we? Unthankful, unholy. Uh, local churches, unholy. Very clear. We've got to look like the world, talk like the world, sing like the world, and do everything else like the world. No, we don't. That's unholy. Well, yeah, but people won't look. When we have to turn to contemporary, when we've got to lose the standards, what we are doing is spitting in the very face of the Holy Spirit of God saying, your way doesn't work anymore. You can't preach the word. You got to do it our way. We know better. Oh, it gets people. Satan makes sure it does. But that has nothing to do with the soul except to condemn Unthankful, unholy. Matter of fact, let me give you a little quiz question here. Do you know what the fastest growing religion in the world is today? Some say, I think it's uh, Muslims. That's a good guess, good try. Some say, well, it's Mormons. They always say they are. And, and different people name different things. But you know what? I believe that the greatest religion growth in this world is that of self-love. 
because self gets honored as Christ should be honored above Christ in the life of a Christian. Obviously, they may not be atheists, but the devils aren't atheists. The Bible says in James that the devils believe and tremble. But you see, this kind of person has no fear of God. There is nothing of God in their life. And so, you say, well, what about those other things in verse 2? Aren't those things being manifested today? Yeah. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Oh, yeah. Without a natural affection, that, that idea of, of when he says without natural affection, without natural affection, I've heard a lot of preachers say it means without family love, and that is a family, I, what I see what people killing their babies and things, that's not a family love. I mean, and that's it, so many marriages break up, the kids are sent out, kids are given away and whatever else. No, but look. But homosexuality isn't natural either. God didn't create it that way. It's simply not natural in God's scheme of things. So without natural affection. Incontinent. Now today that means something different for us. But in that time when this word was written, it is a lack of restraint of the passions. In that day, often it was used for sexual misconduct and also appetites and love for other things of the world. I believe that the third sign of a soon rapture is across the board around the world local churches moved to worldliness. He said, do you believe we can have revival? Oh, God wants to give it. He wants to give it. We don't know the day or the hour, but we certainly can pray for it. That was the third one. So let me just kind of close this out by saying, Christians, do we really believe that Jesus is coming again soon? But not touching the earth, I'm talking about the rapture. Before that tribulation, do we really believe it? Uh, do we think on relatives that we're not sure that are saved? Do we think on people we work with that we don't think are saved? Do we think on people that we live near that we're not sure they're saved? Do we think or has the love of the world quenched the Holy Spirit so in our life that we're satisfied with just being in church only? No, I'm thankful for radio. I'm thankful for live stream. I'm thankful for the people that are listening or watching tonight. I really am. 
Because many of those people can't get out. But the people who can and won't, you won't answer to me about that. You'll speak to the Lord about that. Any answer you expect me to receive and say is legitimate, the Lord won't. Let me use one final example of that. I've heard people say, well, you know, we're going to have family time on a Wednesday night. We're going to have family. Our, you know, we just got to get together with our family. And, yeah, preacher, we're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray together. But sometimes your family just has to get away. And I understand vacations and things like that. I, I was in the first church I pastored. There was a couple that had, they said, we won't be there next week. We have a family reunion. It's okay. They had a family reunion about once a month. They really did. And uh, I don't know what they do now when they can FaceTime, so I, I don't know what they do now. But we're going to have a family reunion. But the places where you work, your bosses wouldn't accept that as acceptable. Do you think you can fool the Lord Jesus Christ with that? When you can't even fool a man on earth that may not even be saved with that same thing. Christians, you may not have a question about your salvation, but the question may be about your commitment. Have you left that first love? That first church at Ephesus, that was their sin. You're still breathing. You're still living. Come back. Come back to that first love. Let's bow our heads, please.